the following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hello and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage and grow your small business. I'm Cherie and in today's episode, I sit down with Monique Montfroy from Tex Coco Collective as part of our new mini-series called Share Your Small Business Story. In this episode, we take a look at the interesting approach Monique has taken in starting a business during COVID that's a luxury fashion accessory brand committed to eco-conscious design, environmental conservation and thoughtful consumption. Hello. Hey, Hey, how are you? Can you hear me okay? How are you? I'm excellent. How have you been? Yeah, good. It's really good. Okay. Awesome. So have you got your website up and running? Oh, no, I'm just about to though. So oh. it's been a few little things, but it's getting there. Yeah. Cool. So thanks heaps for coming on to today to have a chat about it because I know that when we were talking, um, I really am super interested in people who've chosen to start a new business, especially in the last 18 months. And then when we spoke, your story about the passion behind it and the reason and then the products that you chose and why were just, they were really interesting. And I'm like, I just wanted to explore it a little bit more. And so, yeah, if you just wanted to, I guess, give us a bit of an overview about you. Okay. Um, Well, I suppose I've been interested in design and creative industries all of my life. And I was a photographer for many years. And since COVID, I just thought, let's explore something new. Where can I grow? What can I do? And yeah, so then I just thought I would make cactus leather handbags. (laughs) And then you start with a country on the other side of the world. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. I'm really influenced by Mexico. I've spent, um, I've been there twice. I spent about eight months there total, but I just really love it there. Is that why you chose that spot? Kind of, yes. And also because that's where the cactus is grown, the material is made and where my suppliers are at. So I kind of wanted to keep everything all local as well. And I did a three-month artist residency in Mexico a couple of years ago, and that was with a environmental NGO. So I learned a lot about like the plastic waste and consumption and water usage and it's just like involved with all of these kind of processes for a little while. So I think that's why it inspired me to keep going. So, I mean, I guess from the story, you've got two brands that you actually use, but the one that you're launching now with bringing in the new products, that's sort of, I guess, the one that you really wanted to talk about and that's Tex Coco Collective. So um, obviously it's very eco-conscious the way that you've approached it. So did you decide to sort of design handbags and leather goods out of cactus or is that something that found you once you were over in Mexico? I think both. So I actually brought a cow leather handbag and I thought it was a beautiful design, like authentic and original, but then I, I learned in the process that it wasn't. It was like mass-produced the money wasn't going to where it was meant to be because they had sold it as like this handmade leather goods and it wasn't the case. And so then I was kind of toying on the idea of like, how do I make these handbags and get the money and the profit back to the people that actually have the skill? And then I seen a documentary about cactus leather, researched that a little bit more and then I thought, okay, well, why not make that idea in a more sustainable, ethical, cruelty-free way? Okay. Cool. So basically the collection that you've got, when does that actually launch? That will be launching. So we're already going to do a pre-sale and then the website is going to be launched ASAP, hopefully in the next couple of days. And then I have put an order in and they should be here December just in time for Christmas. So it's pretty exciting. 
And so, I mean, obviously every small business or just every business starts with an idea. So the idea for this really did come from the time in Mexico and then sort of, I guess, your interest now in sort of sustainable design. Yes. I've always been interested in like slow fashion and like how much we consume as people and kind of thinking about my habits and yeah, definitely trying to fuse creative industries with environmental like ideas and just like being better and doing better because I think we have a lot of a lot of growth there as a society. Look, I, I've got to say, when you first said it, when we met a couple of weeks ago, I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, cactus leather, is that a thing? Is it durable? Is it something that lasts? Like, I guess the handbags particularly, they get kind of thrown around. I mean, some people are very careful with them. Someone like me, not so much. So I've got like this bottomless thing that everything lives in. So, <laughs> you know, and then seeing your designs, I was like, Oh, interesting. And we've got a couple of handbag lovers here and, and I'm like, Oh, dragging them over. I'm like, can you show them the pictures? <laughs> yeah. Um, so cactus leather is as durable and like versatile as cow leather. I think with cactus leather, it's really amazing because it doesn't use as much water. To tan one cow hide, it actually takes 100,000 litres of water to tan, which is enough water consumption for one person for two years. So I just think, why are we still doing that? Like, I don't know, it just seems really bizarre to me that if we're using so much water and there's all these other alternatives, why are we still doing the worst option? So it's kind of something that I wanted to think about with my business and just educate people around those ideas as well. Like one of the things that I'm very, very passionate about is is small business. And the reason that it actually is, is is because the money gets to the people who actually earn it. It's their skilled labor that produce the end result, which is why I actually really love, like you've gone direct to the people. There's no middle people in there. There's you know, You're helping support both the family and the communities over there. And then likewise here on the Gold Coast as well. Yeah, it's super exciting. Being a small business owner is challenging and exciting at the same time. And it's not something that I would have thought I would be doing had it not been for like COVID to push me in this direction. But yeah, I think putting, giving people support in like all of the supply chain is really important to me as well. Yeah. Yeah, even, I mean, the, just exactly what you touched on there, the decision to actually start a business during COVID, I mean, that's a ballsy one right there. <laughs> I mean, that took a lot of courage, really, to start something like, new yeah, then. A little bit crazy, but well, I just kind of thought, like, if not now, when? Like, if I'm going to start a business, if I've got all this time to, like, sit around and learn something new, why not take that opportunity and see where it goes, you know? Got nothing to lose. And then, yeah, just research this idea, and it kind of just really built, grew from there. Like, it wasn't, I was in no timeline or anything, so, like, I had a lot of time to learn business admin and processes and email marketing and website building and all these things so yeah but it was a good push COVID yeah. really changed the whole situation up. so was there one thing that you're like one skill then out of the new business operation ones that you're really glad that you did learn I've learned so much in the last six months <laughs> okay I think that the, the most that I've learned is to ask for help because I really do like to try and do everything myself Although I, I, I do get stuck on the small, like, little particular details that I don't know that professionals in that industry would know. So I think learning to, like, ask for help in these moments of frustration and, like, like I don't have to do it all is something that I've definitely learned. And just, like, uh, even approaching people, networking, being more, like, open about 
talking about what I'm doing, sharing my ideas and stuff has been like another really good thing to push me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I guess if you were sort of a photojournalist as well before being behind the camera, I guess was the the comfy spot. So now you're out in front of it, you know, having to take the lead as it would on, you know, being you're the face of your own business now. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit nerve wracking. (laughs) I don't like to be in front of the camera, actually. So (laughs) So, I mean, one of the things that we touched on, too, is like a values driven business. And obviously, you you seem to focus really a lot on eco-conscious design. And then I think one of the things that come up in our discussion, too, was being ethically luxurious. So like luxury is defined, I suppose, by like price point, uniqueness, kind of like design and style. And then I, I kind of wanted to turn a spin on that as like ethically luxurious so we can still have style and high quality design and like be like very fashionable, but we can also have that in a way that's not impacting our environment. So I suppose that's why I kind of like to say ethically luxurious because also luxury behind the scenes is quite impactful to in the industries, causes more harm than good, I think. Yeah. Just as a, like a side note, I got a, I had a friend who used to work for a very high-end bra maker in London and she was she actually had one of those existential moments just picking out from like 30 different pieces of lace and she's like, seriously, is this my life? Picking out pieces of lace for like a $1,000 bra, like it's better than this. She actually resigned that day, flew back to Australia and ended up just finishing her anthropology degree. Oh, my so God. This, it's amazing what just one moment in time or in life can just, change the whole direction you know really yeah it's exciting yeah totally and I mean I like the fact too that what you're trying to like what you're doing not even trying to do you're doing it's socially responsible in you're creating this economy where everybody really can benefit out of the full supply chain that I really really like that I can't actually tell you how much I like that it's one of my favorite things (laughs) yeah because why not because there's so many skilled people in every process why not why shouldn't everyone be acknowledged for that yeah look I totally agree So um, where exactly, I mean, you don't have to tell us, but like where in Mexico is it actually developed? And do you have any logistical issues, I guess, from an operational standpoint, getting it out of Mexico now with the transport and like planes only just starting to fly now? Yeah, that's half the reason that it took quite a long time in research and development because it took a while for the samples to get made and then sent over here. But logistically everything is pretty close like the farm and the manufacturers all within like about a five hour radius of each other and I made it that way so transport costs would be not so much and it would just be like the plane the plane trip back to Australia and I did that on purpose yeah so I think like logistically it's working actually yeah that's cool so I guess now having started the business and sort of so close to having the first products land here that are going to be for sale, is there one thing that you wish you knew earlier? I wish I knew, okay, money management a little bit more for sure and just the processes of setting up a business. Is, I, I kind of learned that everything myself with like online help and stuff but I didn't know any of that stuff. As a photographer, I just kind of, you know, took my photos and, and that was kind of it. So I think I think just learning the basics of business and admin, like accounting and, and paying myself and these kind of things was something that I should know. <laughs> but I mean, I guess lots of lessons learned really, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's been a big learning curve. I, and I'm just, every time I learn something new, I'm like more excited to learn something else because I can see how far I've come. So it's, it's really nice. 
Nice. So um, you're a, you're in, looks like you're on the Sunshine Coast at the moment. I just saw a Coolum sign. Yes. <laughs> so uh, is that like, uh, I guess from a Queensland point of view then, where are you actually seeking to get distribution or are you actually doing it direct to market? I'm going to sell from my online store, obviously. And then, yeah, I would like to get into like boutiques, like like-minded boutiques and stores around. I have a couple on Gold Coast that are already keen to stock some bags and definitely I think Byron Bay would be like a really good market as well as like Sunshine Coast. And I think just start small. Like I'm not in a rush. I'm not in any competition with anyone. Like I want to do everything right. I think growing organically, getting stocked in like stores that have the same values as me is important as well. Mm. And I think too with the nature of what you do, scalability, you know, potentially might be an issue because if this is only grown in one certain place and obviously that takes time to grow, it's a, um, you know, it's a commodity type product um, or it's an agricultural product. Obviously, this isn't a mass produced thing. This is something that's very bespoke. It's almost like it is handcrafted. So how are you going to manage growth? I definitely need to think about growth because the the manufacturers that are making the bags, they have had some troubles with COVID, so they have to let staff off. So the maximum quantity order that I can do per month is quite low. And I think that makes it like exclusive, but also in terms of growth, difficult. But I am talking to a woman in Colombia who works with women's weaving groups and stuff. So maybe I'd like to get some stuff going down there. And I need to find more producers. Like I would like to still stay in the same vein of like helping family run businesses as well. But yeah. Because it's the direct outreach too, isn't it? Like finding actually who supplies it and not everybody particularly over there has like a website that you can just tap onto to say hey I'm here exactly (laughs) Uh, at the beginning I had a friend that helped me scout some factories and manufacturers Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was pretty helpful yeah I suppose I just have to do the same process again yeah is there any like upcoming parts like in the next 12 months that you're like really looking forward to oh I'm definitely looking forward to my launch and and making profit I, I'm keen to make another collection of bags. The first collection of bags is in collaboration with the manufacturers because they also do their own line of handbags. So I've never been a handbag designer, so it was kind of good to have their guidance and their assistance with this first range. And then the second range I would really love to design myself. Um, and so I think that'll be like a really a, a nice challenge creatively as well as to see it all come to life, something that I've made totally myself. As somebody who's in no way could ever be said to be an artist. How long does it actually take to design a collection of different items? And would you be then seasonal or would you actually be, because you mentioned before slow fashion, so would you be just looking like more of an annual but, you know, very involved in depth and there's sort of the stories that go with each of the products that you bring out? Yeah, a a little bit more like the latter. I... It doesn't need to be seasonal. I don't want to follow like any fast fashion trends. The bags that I wanted, to, like that I'm designing, are quite timeless. I think in their design, so it's not like it can be like carried through the years. And I would like to keep that that kind of notion going as well. Um, yeah, designing handbags. I suppose it just depends how much motivation you have <laughs> and like creativity in the moment. I, some people can like just have designed everything straight away sometimes it takes a long time I think creativity is quite subjective and like it it comes and goes you know so you've got to catch it when you can and like rest when you're feeling a little bit uninspired so just to circle back to actually something you said before you were sort of exploring other groups in different sort of I guess South American countries is that for a different style or that's actually for the same type of product 
Uh, it might just be for a whole new range or it could be, like, because I have ideas, like, in the future of Texcoco, not only doing handbags, maybe we'll do, like, jackets in a different style, like, little homewares, sunglass cases. I'd love to do, like, camera straps and camera bag holders as well. So it could be, I don't know, just depending on the collaboration on the people who are involved, like, we could we can do anything. That's it. And it's great, yeah. isn't it? Like, literally, it's unlimited. <laughs> Yeah, it's just whatever is in the moment, I suppose. Actually, I've got a question. You don't have to answer it. It might be, like, commercial. But when you were setting your pricing, obviously, you know, from a numbers perspective, because I'm an accountant, right? So from a numbers perspective, I'd look at, like, a whole year. I'd look at your overheads and then I'd try try to work out, not not necessarily cost price, but certainly a value price with reference to how much it costs to operate. But if you've been limited to how many you can actually bring out, are you pricing for where you want it to be or are you actually pricing for literally where it is now in order to build some profit? I'm pricing, maybe this is something I need to learn as well, pricing and numbers, (laughs) accounting, not my strong (laughs) suit. No, I think I'm pricing in the kind of, middle luxury range of a handbag I'm, I'm kind of pricing it for my target market that has somewhat of a disposable income but also wants to try and like do a do their part for the for the earth you know yeah, it's like an ethical consumption really isn't it yeah so hard question to answer sorry <laughs> no it's good I was actually it was just thinking about it then when you were saying about the numbers before I'm like oh I wonder if that's you know, like you'll never get pricing perfect. It's an art. It's, you know, it's not a science. And there's so many different ways that you can go about it. I was just really intrigued, actually, if you've got this limitation now on how many you can actually bring out, whether that was a factor in how you chose to price it. But It I mean, is a bit of a factor. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And also just the price of the material, the price of shipping, the bags take almost double the time it takes to make a cow leather bag because it's basically being hand sewn so yeah I took in all these considerations then yeah I just put a price that would you know make me a good income as well cool and so are you air freighting then obviously you're not um shipping like sea uh, sea shipping your your air freight yeah yeah cool but um Okay, I guess is there anything extra you'd like other people to know about either you or the business that you're running? No, maybe just that you don't have to be vegan to care about the environment. That's a good one. And it's it's so true. Like, I mean, really, everybody's got to do their part. The method by how you get there can become in practical things rather than just, you know, statements that are made. So every day that you live just that little bit differently actually leads to a much bigger result at the end of the day, really, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a combined effort. And also the industries have a big part to play, obviously, because that's like what all of us on the lower of the chain buy from. So, but I think everyone has to, if everyone makes a small change, then we can have a better future. So it's like changing buyers' consumption behaviour. Exactly. Yeah. But just educating people, I think, is more what we should do as well like education around how our products are made where they're made why you're buying them is it necessary just like questioning more what we're doing cool so where can people find you okay so i'm on instagram and facebook texcoco collective mm-hmm. and my website's going to be launching anytime soon so texcococollective.com awesome and we'll make sure that all of the links are in the descriptions and everything that we put it out but um, thank you. so good. Thanks for your time today. And um, it's actually really good because, like I said, this is a great story for me. And I was 
really happy to be able to unpack it a little bit more. And I guess the reasons for why you chose to start a business in what traditionally has been seen as not the best time in the world, but I just love the reasons that you chose to do so. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, well, just every opportunity to learn and grow, I think. Why not? Perfect. What a great attitude. All right. Well, you have an amazing rest of the week and um, we'll stay in touch for sure. Thanks so much, Cherie. I really appreciate it. No worries. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything small business.